We are back. We are back to Zhuzh, and uh, we are in Season 2. This is the second part of Season 2 of Star Trek Voyager. I am, of course, your host, Jack Tracy. You can interact with uh, Star Trek Zhuzh on Instagram, where I post funny little things from the episodes. That's Instagram.com slash... Why am I saying Instagram.com? How old am I? How old am I? Jesus. I'm on Instagram at Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. Uh, on Twitter now, the same, but that's not going to last long considering Elon owns it now. Much like Marina uh, Sirtis, uh, who who has vowed to leave the platform because of this, I think I will be as well. Um, TikTok now, uh, on my uh, personal page, Jack Tracy Official, I post a little stuff there. And of course, you could help me out by becoming a patron of the podcast at patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. And there you can uh, join live watch parties, watch video versions of the episodes, bonus content, all of that fun stuff. But let's get back to Voyager. So taking another chunk of season two, which I think is going to end up being, I don't know, probably like three or four chunks because I really want to tackle some of these episodes and I don't want to breeze through. Um, in this chunk, in no particular order, comes um, Persistence of Vision, Cold Fire, Threshold, Resistance, Prototype, Maneuvers, Alliances, and Tattoo. Um, now, you're like, Jack, that's a lot. Um, are they all great episodes? No. No, we won't be just breezing through a bunch of them. But there's two we're going to skip. So first off, we're obviously going to skip Threshold because why? Season one, Sean and I already did it. We have a whole episode dedicated to Threshold. Uh, so if you'd like to hear my zhuzh and Sean's zhuzh on Threshold, you can head back to the previous episode in season one of our podcast. I'm also going to be skipping Cold Fire. And that's because I have a very special guest. I think probably Star Trek Voyager's number one fan associated with uh, Robert Duncan McNeil and Garrett Wang's podcast, The Delta Flyers. He owns Janeway's couch from The Ready Room, like the actual screen-used one. He owns it. Uh, Captain Jeremiah, who I met at Las Vegas convention, um, he is joining me. We actually, actually, we already recorded it, so for me it's in the past. But we are doing a very special episode on Cold Fire. So that was his choice. He wanted to judge that episode, and uh, he and I had some similar thoughts, and we also just together came up with some really cool ideas. So that's that we are skipping for today, which means we will only be tackling one, two, three, four, five, six episodes. Four, I'm going to say you're fine. Good to fine. And two, I think needs some work. Now... You know this is a Seska Stan podcast that I am that the podcast is actually financially supported by um, Martha Hackett because as you know I love Seska I want more Seska I want tons of Seska um, so the Seska episodes we've got two Seska episodes in here and uh, with some minor tweaks they are both great so we're just gonna breeze through those. Um, I want to go in order in terms of what I think the best episode of this chunk is down to the ones that need some help. Um, surprise, the one that needs help is the Chakotay episode. Yeesh. 
Um, Resistance. Resistance is a stellar Star Trek Voyager episode. It is a stellar Star Trek episode. It is up there for me as one of the best Star Trek episodes. It is a tour de force performance from Kate Mulgrew. One of the Joel Gray as the guest star. Incredible. It's sad. It's super heartfelt. Um, the villains are scary and and interesting. You know, you've got Tuvok and Balana trapped on the planet because they were trying to make some deal. You've got Janeway gets separated from them. She's now with this old man who thinks that she's his daughter. He gets killed at the end, which is horrific. Um, it's just... It's just such a great Star Trek episode and meaningful, and I really loved it. Really can't gush. I have nothing to say about that episode. That is a great, great episode. And only only slightly down the list then comes Prototype, which is a really great Bellana story that has nothing to do with her temper as the A story. She, of course, continues to have a temper, but so much of the bellana centric episodes throughout all of Voyager, are um, she has a temper and she doesn't like being Cleon. And there came a point, I think, where they went back to this well so much that it was like, has she had any growth at all? Like, is season seven Belana other than being married to Tom and pregnant, for real, instead of engineering coat pregnant, is... Has she evolved at all? Because she seems to be dealing with the same temper and issues and struggles and all of that that she did in season one. I mean, I'm in season five right now, and she just threatened to break Seven's nose. It's like we didn't we didn't learn from that from the Carrie incident in season one. Like we're still there. We're still there. So this is a great Bellata episode that that. Her temper is temper is not the focus of it. Um, the bonding with the the android, the reversal, um, finding out you know what it was up to, all of that is great. It's a unique take on one of these sort of um, android sentient life um, episodes that Star Trek likes to do. It, it, it didn't feel like a retread. It didn't feel like, oh, another one of these. It was unique. It was interesting. Um, my only criticism is that, and you know what? It would be my criticism for Resistance as well, uh, is that while great, it is, of course, an episode that could have been done on any other series. It did not require Balana. It did not require, Resistance did not require Janeway. The Resistance and Prototype could have been great next-gen episodes as well with, you know, um, who would be the daughter for Resistance? Actually, I would see Resistance as a Deep Space Nine episode with Dax being the, Jadzia Dax being the daughter. And um, I could see, um, I could see, I mean, and, and, you know, Next Gen could have been, uh, Next Gen could have done Prototype with Jordi and Data, you know, being the, or Data being the Bellana character and standing up for it. You know, I get, I can't be too nitpicky about that because Next Gen wasn't on the air. So, like, 
it was fine for Voyager to do those kinds of shows. But I, I will never give a 10 out of 10 to a Voyager episode that could have been done easily by just substituting in another cast. Um, those will always, if they're really good, they'll still only ever get a 9 out of 10 from me. Which brings us to the other two that I think are great. Um, that are tied directly into the lore of Star Trek Voyager and could not have been done without without substantial changes on other shows, and that's Maneuvers and Alliances. Now, I've seen a lot of hate for Alliances, and I'm going to talk about Maneuvers first. Um, people, uh, Alliances was a mess from beginning to end was some, someone's, someone involved in the production's uh, comments, and I actually really, really enjoyed it. And Anyway, um, so maneuvers, Seska, the trap, outwitting them, stealing the technology, great. Sets her up as a real villain foil problem. In some ways, she seemed more difficult to beat than the Borg in later seasons, which is wild. But it really set her, set Seska up as a cunning resourceful, um, you know, difficult to, to, you know, it was a real challenge. She was a real challenge with Voyager and her, her going with the Kazon really elevated the Kazon as a threat. Okay. Belana and Chakotay having to deal with the fact that they were tricked by her. Great. But I think could have been even more. Balana's whole like, yeah, she was my friend. I guess she fucked us all. Is sort of like, just sort of harumph. And maybe Balana should be more upset by this, in the way that Chakotay is, and Chakotay obviously more so because he had a romantic relationship with her. And 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 I get that Balana gets to advocate on Chakotay's behalf when Chakotay goes rogue. Which all of that's great. I just felt like there could have been more emotional meat to that you know it felt a little a little muted based on what it what it would actually feel like in real life to have like your best friend betray you which is i can give personal personal um uh, testament to that um Chakotay feeling personally responsible, great. Him deciding this is his issue to fix, this is his fault. Um, I think this is the episode where he says it to Tufak, like, am I so easily to, easy to fool? That, that, I think, would have been a great continuing story arc for Chakotay. Him having this, you know, still having to grapple with the issue that he was kind of a, a pawn, a pawn for Seska, a pawn for Tuvok, that that it could really fuck with his confidence. And you could have had more episodes where sort of the wool was pulled over his eyes and he just really be fucking pissed off about that and have to like deal with that. I actually really like that as a better Chakotay story than like, this is how I got my tattoo. Ugh. 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 We're getting to it. So the only bad part of maneuvers for me, 
I was actually just talking about this with Captain Jeremiah, so you'll hear us talk about this a little bit next week. Um, the DNA extraction and impregnating herself when Seska says, mmm, I want them Chakotay babies. Maybe they'll have little tattoos on their little Cardassian faces. Um, very soap opera-y and kind of makes Seska... It, it, it just... It, it's not good for her character to just be like a baby crazy... It feels very gendered. It feels very... I don't know if it's misogynistic per se, but it's just, it's just not, why? You know, it, 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 instead, if you want to make Seska pregnant with possibly Chakotay's child, just say that during all of the events of State of Flux where he was standing up for her and all of that, that they slept together one last time. You know, add that, and, and, now she believes, which we obviously find out that it's a Kazon baby by the end, but she believes that it's Chicote's kid because she wants it to be, you know? That's fine because she's still, you know, in my judge, is you make it a much more, you know, conflicted Seska who actually does love and care for Chicote, uh, which, you know, plays here as he gets, you know, doesn't get interrogated to the full, you know, what he might have gotten if Seska wasn't kind of protecting him. Um, you know, Seska learning about her pregnancy during the course of the episode is better. You know, she had, there's a scene where she, she's not feeling well and she goes to the Kazon doctor who discovers that she's pregnant and like, oh, it's obviously, they don't even question it. It's obviously colors and this and that. And she like knows it's not, even though it is. Um, that could really play with with what she's doing in the episode. You know, it it it, it heightening her internal conflict to make her somewhat sympathetic while still being a villain just makes the character even better. Um, but man demon, man crazy she demon desperate for babies Desperate for them tattooed babies? No. No, no, no. Uh, also, um, I, like, I get that she, you know, got the DNA and this and that. I think it would have been far more interesting if um, it was the DNA was extracted as part of a Kazon interrogation um, uh, circle jerk kind of situation. It's like, tell us Voyager's shield codes. No. All right. We're going to jerk you off into this cup for Seska. Um, would have been more interesting. A different kind of interrogation where they're getting them, <laughs> getting them Kazan hands on that tattooed. Oh, and then what if he had a tattoo on it that matched the face? We couldn't have done that on UPN, I don't think. But it's a, you know, we'll save that for the novelization. Alliances, I think it's not as good as Maneuvers, but still great. You get Seska, you get the Kazon. Listen, rewatching Justice for the Kazon, were they were they dirty Klingons? Yes, they were dirty Klingons. Um, do I want their culture to be different? Do I want their design to be different, to make them different? Absolutely. But the entire idea of the Kazon storyline as like a, a villain... I just think it could have been done so much better and so much more, especially with, say it with me, Seska. I'm going to get a Seska tattoo at this point. 
I'm going to get Chakotay's face tattoo, but instead of the lines, it's just, it just says Seska everywhere. Um, that'll help me find love. Alliance says there's a great use of the Kazon, a great lesson in what happens when you break your principles. You know, Janeway goes against her better judgment to form an alliance with, with the Trabe, um, and it, it fucks everything up, and the trade turn out to just be using it to try to kill the Kazon. It's it's a great lesson of, you know, not she she was her gut instinct was right. She shouldn't have done it, and it's a great, it's great. I really like it. Learning about the trade, learning that you know that they're kind of the Trabe and the Kazon are kind of like the Remans and the Romulans. And it's good, better done this way because, um, I don't know, it's not a complete surprise retcon of a well-established race in the 10th movie of the franchise. Ha! <sighs> God, Nemesis. I think there's going to be a special episode on Nemesis someday. Uh, oof. But I like I like that dynamic of sort of the slaves. I don't know if they were slave slaves, but the slaves overcoming the masters. Um, that's interesting. I like that. I like that as a so take away the whole honor code yada yada of the Kazon and just make them that they are. They've taken the you know their ships were the trade ships. They've taken over everything. Um, they rose up, they revolted, and then the whole thing fell apart because they couldn't unify. Um, that's, that's great. That's interesting. That's unique. That's new. I don't, I can't think of another Star Trek episode where, I mean, kind of the hunt, not the hunted, what am I, uh, high, high ground, even though they still weren't, the terrorists didn't, didn't win yet. Um, I don't know. That could be really rich storytelling. Um, and it would be interesting if Seska basically aligned herself with, I don't know, the sixth. Like, if Seska were, were in that world and not a Cardassian, she would be a Trabe trying to suppress the Kazon. And the fact that she joins with someone who overthrow, overthrew order, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Lots of ripe storytelling there that just was not done. And that brings us to our two judges of the week. Today, I will be judging Persistence of Vision and Tattoo. So Persistence of Vision, we get that stupid Janeway Victorian novel because she's seeing it. Um, she's having hallucinations of it, which they quickly confirm is not a hallucination because Kess can sense it and see it as well. Again, Kess's evolution to tell to Troy. Um, my biggest issue, because I, I like a lot of elements of this. I like it being a Kess episode where she kind of saves the day. I like her turning the vision that, um, the, the Botha dude gives her of her all burned and whatever, that she turns it back on him. That's cool. That's interesting. The makeup was fun. Um... The biggest issue is, so there were so many episodes that were, you know, Voyager comes up on a new region of space controlled by someone else and they have to um, get permission to cross it. 
There's some really great episodes about that, and so far, and I'm still on my rewatch, but I think the best representation of that is Counterpoint. I think it's a great episode, a great showcase of what it could be like to travel through someone else's space and the constant inspections and all of that. I loved that. Also because it was kind of a, there was a bit of a Holocaust corollary on that, um, which was very deep. Anyway, we're not talking about a good episode. We're talking about a problematic episode. Problematic just in the sense that you get the boat. So they approach both space, um, whether they're allowed to cross through it or not. And the both uh, just fuck with them for hashtag reasons and then disappear and then you never hear from them again. It's just like a, well, so what, you didn't give really any purpose as to why you were doing this to the crew other than just getting your rocks off, tormenting people, which is, you know, in that case, bring back Q for an episode. That, that's, a, that's a Q thing to do. Uh, or an uh, an older Q thing to do, a previous Q thing. You kind of evolved past that a bit by this point. But just the idea of, like, we've got to cross these people's space. Uh, they decide to fuck with us, and then we won, and then they disappeared, and the end, and then we never talk about them again. I just, it was just, I don't know. That's the biggest episode with this. Biggest episode. The biggest problem with this episode. So here's my zhuzh. Um, if we never hear of the Botha again, right? If we're not saying like this becomes the Botha story arc of season two, right? Then this episode needs to be some sort of test of the Voyager crew that they end up either passing so that they get to go through the space and we don't hear from them again, or that they fail and then they have to go around it or fight through it anyway, right? They need a re- the both of them need a reason for doing this and not just we were born. We're so bored. Let's um let's have this Victorian lady attack the captain and then oh my god, what if we like burn Kiss's face off? Oh, that'll be fun. Let's do that. It's what? We did this because we could. We did this because we were bored. Ain't got nothing else better to do. Anyway, Kess being able to turn around is cool, but again, they just make Kess a convenient telepathic weapon when they need her. That's all they were doing with her. Like, we're just gonna make sure that she's got weird telepathy telekinesis powers when we need her to have them to fight something. Um, very done with cold fire, you know? And I guess you could make this an extension of cold fire because, and honestly, if you, if, Again, I'm talking about Cold Fire next week. But if you make Cold Fire the beginning of Kess's... Like, make it a clear beginning of Kess's evolution to the gift, which obviously they didn't know they were going to do at this time because I don't think they thought Kess was leaving yet. Um, But Kess's evolution was never really clearly connected as a story arc. It just appeared here and there until they needed her to ascend in the gift. Like the clear escalation in the of her powers could have been set forth in Cold Fire, and and don't worry, we're talking about that next week. I have more to say in that, so I'll mo- I'll move on from that. Um, Janeway's holodeck stuff is boring. I already suggested how that might be better if her 
never wanting to have had children, but is curious about it. And so he uses this to, you know, interact with kids. I, I, I don't know. The Mark stuff is great. Okay. So how about instead we fundamentally change this episode to be one about Mark and give Janeway some kind of romance. So we set up our, our test. The Botha have to inspect the ship and, you know, it's not hiding telepaths, but it's some, some inspection of the ship uh, so that they feel comfortable with Voyager past. Maybe it's just that we just want to meet you. We want to know you. We want to know a little bit about you before we let you cross through our space, right? And one of the Botha in the boarding team um, looks a lot like Mark. He's being played by the Mark actor. And it's just purely coincidence, kind of the same as Dark Page with uh, the TNG episode where uh, Kirsten Dunst looks like um, Deanna's dead sister and it's just bringing up things for Loxana. Similar to that. He just looks a lot like him and is kind of bringing things up for Janeway. And you can have pieces about Janeway missing Mark, which we rarely touch on uh, until we find out that she finds out he's married um, and has moved on. And then the, the the bliss episode where they make her the, the the monster makes her think that that the wedding got called off, so there's hope for her. Uh, all of that. I don't think there's enough of her dealing with the Mark stuff, um, so we can make this one of those episodes. Now, as she hangs out with, we're going to call him both a Mark, uh, alien Mark. There begins to be a bit of a romance. And she can maybe confides in Chakotay that, man, he just he just reminds me so much Mark. He even looks like him. And Chakotay is like, does he? I don't, okay, girl. Like, I don't really see it, but, you know, happy you're happy. And you could have the conversations about, you know, what it is. She's the captain. She can't do their situation. She, you know, she can't afford something like this. And she could have, he could have a conversation with Chakotay of like, look, you know, we're not going to be here for long. You know, just enjoy it. Um, you deserve it. You can have this, right? So we learn that both of Mark has a sick child, right? He's he, he's a he's a single man. He's a he's a single father, and he has a sick child. And um, maybe when we get that way, we can incorporate you know Janeway's exploration of whether she has any interest in chi- in having a child with her holodeck stuff, with both the Mark. That could be something they talk about. Uh, she didn't want to be a mother, but she engages in that fantasy of the holodeck because she just kind of wonders, well, what would it be like? You know, she's just curious. Um, turns out it's a ruse that Kess detects, right? Done to distract Janeway so that he can steal the doctor to help his sick child, right? Maybe they want the technology. Um, I don't know if we've had someone try to steal the... Do- Again, I'm only re-watching through season five. I'm not sure if we've had someone like actively try to steal the doctor. Um, that's why it's, you know, it's personal for Kess because it's her friend. Uh, not that she wouldn't be involved if it was anything else, but it just gives Kess more of a personal. She uncovers all of this, uh, and then, you know, she starts using the telepathy. He starts using the telepathy against her to, like, fuck with her because 
she senses what's going on, she turns it against him, so we can we can do all of that, that great part of the episode of her turning it on them and her being able to see what's going on, right? The rest, when the rest of the Botha, when it's all uncovered and this and that, this is not done, the Botha, this is just this rogue guy who's doing this. When they find out what he's been doing, they feel horrible about it and they uh, allow Voyager to pass because they feel so bad about, you know, what this, this guy was doing. So that is, so you keep the the vision stuff and the both uh, fucking with them and Kess detecting it and saving the day, but you make it more of a Janeway romance story, which we didn't get enough of, and I really, really, really liked in Counterpoint. Um, right, and it gives us the, like, You've been allowed to pass through our space. Here you go. Um, rather than we're going through any, I think they decide to just keep going. They don't like, maybe they avoid it at the end of the episode. I don't remember. But just, ah, we fucked with you because we fucking could. Anyway. Which now brings us to Tattoo. Chakotay Shorely. The Chakotay-centric episodes that don't involve Seska and the Kazon are truly horrific. I mean, even Jordy and Crusher, even though some of their their outings were spotty, their centric episodes are way better than what Chakotay gets. Chakotay's episodes that do not involve Kazan and Seska are almost entirely about his culture. Save for Nemesis, which is, I think, one of my least favorite, one of my, one of the worst episodes of Trek. The way that they fucking talk. The Nemesis. Uh, oh, what do they say when they want someone to look at something? I gotta look it up. The way, the, the, the weird speech patterns, it's so dumb it's so dumb and i well i don't know what season that's in maybe we'll talk about it maybe we won't but god do i hate that. oh no it's in season four blech 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 and so anyway so anytime we get chakoti episode it's all about his culture which as we know uh he is a mexican-american actor playing a native american actor playing a native american character uh and their consultant for native american culture is a fraud so again i am not an expert on native american culture i'm not Native American myself, I have no idea whether this was a good or bad representation of their culture. I can just tell you, it didn't feel right. It felt like a stereotype. Um, but I don't know. If you have familiarity with this and want to challenge me, correct me, I'm totally open to it, obviously, because I, I don't know. I can just tell you it didn't feel right. Also, by making the Sky Spirits, uh, which I don't know if that's a Native American thing or if they made it up for the purpose of the episode. I don't know. But if they are part of the culture, turns out they were aliens from the Delta Quadrant that we just so happened in all of the Delta Quadrant to stumble upon by seeing Chakotay's tattoo drawn in the ground. Um, I think it, it diminishes... It actually is kind of an insult to the culture 
right? Okay, it was okay for y'all to believe this because they were there. They're actually aliens. So, you know, we justified it for you. You can do that with a culture that's not an Earth culture. Like, you can do that with the Bajorans. But to do that to an actual... Like, like, could you imagine if they did an episode where it turns out Jesus was a was a Q who was just investigating Earth? Like, could you imagine? I, that's how this feels to me. Um, we're landing Voyager for this. The landing of Voyager was so rarely done uh the ones that pop up in my head are of course basics and um uh demon right which by the way silver blood it's the same like red angel like 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 just bad sci-fi fantasy stuff it should have had a it should have had a science name anyway um we discovered the silver blood. Just it just that that's not a Star Trek thing. They would have they would have called it some sort of scientific compound or some sort of anyway, they wouldn't have called it silver blood and anyway. Uh we're not talking about that episode. We're talking about this one. Um But we're landing Voyager. This is an episode where we where we try to land Voyager. This just this isn't a stakes heavy episode that requires that much of like you know it feels almost like like oh god this episode is so boring let's throw let's land voyager that'll keep them interested um the doctor flu stuff is great it's the best part of the episode the whole b plot with doctor giving himself the flu Kess making it longer than anticipated so that he can really get the experience great bedside man that that's great it could be in any episode uh and again it feels like oh we'll put this here because we don't we got we gots nothing. The B plot is better than the A plot. Right? So, what's my zhuzh of this? So, an exploration of why Chakotay is so connected to his culture is a good idea. Right? Because it is a little strange that he's doing the the vision quests and the healing wheel and the, the all of this stuff. I shouldn't say strange, but um, I don't mean strange. I mean interesting that in the 24th century, a human—because we don't—I don't think we've ever seen a human in Star Trek be religious. And not religious—or or so— so invested in their culture. I think I mean we see it with other races, other species, but we I don't think we've seen it from a human before. So exploring why he's so connected is a great story. Exploring how we got the tattoo. That's an open question. That's also interesting. So I think the way that you tell that story in a more interesting way is you almost make it a little more preemptive strike with, you know, how Roe was recruited into the Maquis, sort of, you tell this is the story of how Chakotay was recruited into the Maquis. And if it, and then also sort of taking themes from Journey's End with, you know, Wesley saying it's it's wrong for them to, to 
you know, the Cardassians to forcibly remove that culture. Um, to make it that his father, Chakotay's father and family, is actually on one of those planets in the demilitarized zone. And I don't, maybe we, maybe they were. Maybe we address this at some point. Whether it be the one in Journey's End or another one, right? And it could also, so this could also involve Chakotay leaving Starfleet. Okay. We also need his father to die. Or his grandfather to die. That he died for his culture so that Chakotay, when it happens, Chakotay, who until this point was actually not, like we make it that Chakotay didn't give a shit about any of this. And we'll have it all the way through his Starfleet life. He didn't. And he didn't have the tattoo. Right? And it's when he's on some mission or he hears about what happened to his father. Maybe he's very, like, pro at the time of it. Like, yeah, y'all need to move. We got to get this. It's for the better. You know, we got to get this Cardassians. And it's through the episode that he turns and actually takes the side of his father. And when his father died, he, in the the scuffle, in in the relocation and whatever... He commits himself. He that is where he he dedicates himself one to the Maquis, two to um, that he to respect his father. He is going to commit himself to all the cultural teachings and beliefs that his father wanted him to to participate in. That he never had any interest in. It's this incident, and he gets the tattoo when he leaves Starfleet as as a dedication to his heritage and specifically to his father, right? You could also, everyone get ready to take a shot. I'm bringing back my favorite character. You could add a Seska element to this, that she's involved in this backstory of recruiting him to the Maquis. Or not that she's the one that does it, but that she's there and involved in some way. And them falling in love like the beginning of the romantic relationship being around this as well right their connection could be with now obviously it's not true seska's pretending but she could be a pretty devout bajoran who's talking who who talks to him about the importance of like your culture and like all of that so it could be seska and the father and the maquis stuff and the demilitarized zone all of that leading to Chakotay embracing his culture, leaving Starfleet, joining the Maquis, having this relationship with Seska, getting the tattoo. Man, would that be a really great backstory episode for Chakotay and a, I think, a really solid episode focused on him because we really don't get that many. You could also tie the whole thing. So, so... Why are we doing this, right? Like, why why are we having this flashback? Because, man, when they did a flashback episode... I just watched 1159. What a terrible way to connect the two stories. Like, the present-day story and the past story. It was so... I don't know. I think there's a way it could have been done. I really had to... I I watched that episode in, like, three chunks because I had to stop it at points and be like, I can't. I can't get through this. And I actually felt the same about Tattoo. So how do we, why are we doing this exploration of Chakotay's backstory? Why are we seeing all of this? Why are we all, not some like 
I, I don't think we have Naomi Wildman yet. Uh, but, but you know, some sort of like, Chicote, why'd you get the tattoo? Oh, let me tell you, little girl. Like, not that. Please not that. Um, tie it to an A plot of him now dealing, because at this point, no, I don't think it comes that early. Tie it to the Seska stuff. Him dealing with the Seska being deceived, him dealing with all of that. Uh, I don't think anything with the stealing of his DNA. I gotta go back because I put these out of order because I, I put them in the order of most judgeable, so I can't remember the order. Yeah, I don't think this comes late enough. I'm not, if it comes after, well, regardless, either it does already or move it. Have it come after the Kazon episodes and have it be him starting to deal with the fact that he's going to have a child and him thinking about his relationship with his father and all of that, maybe talking with Bellana about it, the Seska stuff again, and that could lead to him thinking about all of this, right? So those are my judges. I think I successfully made a uh, Chakotay episode we care about <laughs> that's actually good and deals with the culture in a way that doesn't feel like, I don't know, it didn't feel right. It didn't feel correct. But I don't know. Please, if you do know, please tell me. Um, a zhuzh of persistence of vision to give. These are really just, you know, again, I'm making these character exploration stories. We deal with, in persistence of vision, we deal with Janeway uh, and her feelings about Mark, which never felt real enough, which never felt big enough, and Chakotay for the reason he got the tattoo, not because he found tattooed aliens in the Delta Quadrant that turned out to be the, uh, received the same gifts from the Sky Spirits who are actually aliens, and he, you're welcome, Native American culture. We have justified your religion by making them aliens. Gross. All right, well, next week is going to be a very special episode because we're going to tack, I'm going to tackle Cold Fire with Voyager, Star Trek Voyager's number one fan, Captain Jeremiah. Uh, we're just going to focus on that and talk a little bit about how the Suspiria caretaker's mate stuff was really underserved and really should have been a very heavy through line to bookend the series and possibly a better series finale. Caretaker to start, caretaker's made to end. Anyway, we'll talk more about that next week. So until then, check out the Instagram, Star Trek, Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. Also, my Instagram and TikTok, Jack Tracy Official, T-R-A-C-Y-N-O-E. And uh, think about joining the Patreon. We'd love to have you. Love to watch these episodes with you. Uh, that is patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh. See you next week.